We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. friends welcome to pod maverick after dark i'm kirk henderson joined as always by josh bow we are editors over at mavs moneyball as well josh how you doing tonight i'm doing okay uh you know always we got a mountain time game that's a blowout so that's not a lot of fun to stay up late to watch the mavericks get crushed are we really are we really (laughs) up i was just thinking about that are we really (laughs) up that much later that game was so out of hand we're talking to you it's about 10 30 on monday night uh december 18th and the mavericks lost 130 to 104 and the game was over about you know six minutes into the third quarter and and things just kind of ran from there so so am i like (laughs) am i crazy or am i just kind of hopped up on caffeine no that was pretty fast that was a decently fast game Uh, yeah definitely helped that the game was over for most of the second half and basically all of the fourth quarter. Cause I, I felt like there were like no stoppages of play in the fourth quarter, except for timeouts. Well, the, the game, I need to go look at the box score of this because it's like, and granted, I'm not like, this has nothing to do with the overall like point of the game. In the first half, the nuggets were called for four total fouls. Yeah. Um, they ended up getting called for 19 fouls. So like that, that ended up evening out in a big way, but it's just like the game just kind of popped, moved along. The Mavericks got the crap kicked out of them. Um, the only reason the game was remotely close at any given time was Luka Doncic being incandescent from three. Uh, I'm trying to think about how to con- talk about this game in any sort of reasonable context, because for me, this game felt like a blowout by the third quarter, just due to who the Mavericks were missing. So they're missing Kyrie Irving. Um, they're missing uh, Maxi Kleba, but you know Kleba hasn't been with the team forever. Uh, Josh Green is still out. Derek Lively is out. Um, am I missing anybody? And uh, I don't think so. I think we could argue Grant yeah. Williams was out again because <laughs> he just. That, I mean, and so it's just yeah. this. This was if the Mavericks were going to win this game, it was going to take an absolutely bananas performance from Luka Doncic. And a couple of role players stepping up in a big way. And what we experienced tonight was Luka Doncic playing pretty amazing offense, um, some hit or miss defense, and then no one else on the Mavericks stepping up. Um, Like literally no one else. So the Mavericks were 41 for 92 from the floor. If you take out Luka's Luka's makes and misses, that is uh, 24. So they were 28 for 68 from the floor. Everybody else, that is a whopping 41% from the floor. Um, higher than I thought. Yeah, it is higher than I thought. Like watching, too, to be like candid, yeah. yeah. Well, it felt like no one could hit anything. No. And it's, it's just, I'm, I'm sort of at a loss for how to talk about this game because when you're down this many starters playing against a team that is sort of designed to beat the hell out of a team like you, I, I don't want to overreact too, too much. Um, 
I do want to talk about some specific guys and the fact that they had some opportunities to step up and didn't. But beyond that, I'm not really, you know, I, I think I've seen some clamoring for Jason Kidd's head for not playing Holmes. Um, I mean, it, it's just, we talked about this the first time the, the Mavericks played the Nuggets. The Nuggets are bigger than the Mavericks at every position but point guard. Every single position. You know, I guess maybe Lively is, is is taller than Jokic, but when Lively's not playing tonight, they really were. I mean, at one point in time, I saw Jaden Hardy on um, Aaron Gordon. Like, that was a matchup. Like, that's not a thing. Um, what yeah. do you think? What should we even talk about yeah. here? I mean, the Derek Lively effect was in full force. I mean, if mm-hmm. you want to argue Derek Lively is the second most indispensable Maverick on the roster – you know, you don't, I don't want to get in a fight with Kyrie Irving fans, so I typically don't talk about that that much on this podcast. But if you wanted to make an argument for that point, uh, this was your this was your work. You showed your work in this game because, uh, Kirk, let me tell you, the Nuggets shot 21 of 24 uh, in the restricted area. That is, that, 80, that, is that is 87.5%. Um, mm. 60 points in the paint. Uh, and then I, this doesn't really have much to do with lively, but 32 fast break points. Um, basically, the Nuggets just got as many easy baskets uh, as they wanted. Mm-hmm. And lively being a pretty good rim, rim protector for a 19 year old um, has, especially like the last few weeks, his block numbers have been good. The opposing uh, team shooting at the rim has been pretty good. Right. Um, Overall numbers are still kind of bleh because I mean there's just not enough defenders on the roster after after Lively and, and Jones and maybe Grant Williams. But but yeah, I mean they had I mean the Nuggets could do whatever they wanted um when they got into the paint near the basket. And there was just nothing the Mavericks could do. And to be honest, I credit the Mavericks that this was I mean, this was a fairly competitive game. For the first 24 minutes, even the Nuggets led by nine, when this could have been, I mean, they could have been up by 30 yep. by the end of halftime. I mean, with the way that they're playing, Nuggets were just kind of missing some jumpers and, and maybe not as locked into the game as they needed to. And the Mavericks were pretty frisky. I mean, look at 28 in the first half. So it felt like the Mavericks kind of emptied the chamber in the first half to try to keep up, and it was commendable. But there's just... There's just no way. I mean, there's just <laughs> – I mean, the Nuggets were at full strength for the first time in a little bit because Murray's been hurt for a little yep. bit and Caldwell Pope had a concussion. And they have the best starting five in basketball. Yep. Like, even when the Mavericks are fully healthy, yes. we saw earlier this season, um, the Nuggets are going to – the Nuggets are going to take you this this team to the woodshed because it's just that much of a talent disparity. But Yeah. Out, and- I mean, it was just – it was a noticeable uh, – difference there's like a styles make fights argument that that always drives me crazy when the nuggets play the mavericks because i was watching the denver broadcast the denver broadcast has a three-man booth and i oh is a little bit of a side note but it actually plays into what i'm talking about three-man booths can be really awkward and i think when the mavericks when the mavericks do two on the road and three at home it gives me like this sense of balance that i like and I didn't really realize I liked it until I've been listening to some of these other broadcasts. But it was really – between that and then the NBA TV halftime show where it's, it's a lot of like subliminal – like not even subliminal. It's just talking about how the Mavericks play a certain kind of way. And I was talking to a friend of me of the show, Matt Moore, during the game about this. He's just like, I cannot stand watching these guys play. Are you telling me it's that substantively different with Lively and Kyrie? Yeah. And then, he, and, it, and the answer is yes. Like that, that is like, it is substantially different. You know, Matt pulled up during the game. He's like, Luca's on pace to basically triple his, his catch and shoot threes. And that's a pretty good example of them playing differently than they and have. The pace, I mean, when, when Kyrie's on the floor, the pace yeah. is different. Yeah. Right. And so it's like, this felt like a, a game that just allowed for confirmation bias. If you are frustrated by the Dallas Mavericks or don't think they're very good, you're watching this game and it confirms <laughs> everything you have to say about them. And that's sometimes it, you know, it'd it be like that sometimes. Um, but I, I don't want to, I don't want to overreact to it because it's like, this is what, who, who did you want? Like I keep having these discussions with different people online where I'm like, who do you want to take these shots? Who do you want to have these things go on? I don't, you know, 
the answer is with the roster that they had out there tonight, there's not that many different people. There's just nobody left. Guys got yeah. opportunities tonight, and literally no one showed out. Now, did they show out because they're bad, or did they show out because Denver is so much bigger than them? That's a discussion that we can have, and I think that's at least interesting. But I'm not uh, – I, I games like this, when they're on national TV, suck a little more. Um, and, and at least Luca showed up offensively tonight. I could kill him with some of the stuff he does defensively, which just, it's like, you've got to, the nuggets, like the nuggets clearly were like, when Luca talks, we're going to throw the ball ahead. Yes. They just, they punished them in the, in transition. Like, and it no. was his fault. And I have these people telling me on the internet, it's like, Oh, well, he's got the flu, man. And I'm like the flu, there isn't a symptom of the flu, uh, that I'm aware of that, that results in you talking to the refs. That's not a symptom of the flu. That's a symptom of Luka Doncic. Now, he's right. He got hit in the face like six times tonight. But I just can't keep having these same discussions over and over again where you give up points in frustrating situations just because you want to make a point. It becomes a cyclical thing. You bitch to the rest. They're not going to give you more calls. They're just not. So it's like, please stop doing that. But on the flip side, I'm just like, this was a game where it felt pretty written in the stars. And, you know, what Gonzalo in the chat says, I'm not really stressed out about this. Neither am I, but I, I don't know. I, I do want to talk about some specific guys because it's like when you have the chance to step up and you don't, that concerns me. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, the fast break stuff was bad. I thought, I mean, the kind of telltale of this game, I've got the numbers up. So, like, the first half, the Mavericks kind of got away with some things because they were playing better than Denver in the half court, and Denver was basically score, getting all their buckets in transition. And it was like, okay, so one of two things are either going to happen. The Mavericks are going to tighten up transition defense and maybe get back into the game because we've seen historically that they can they can usually outplay teams, even better teams than them, uh, if they play a half-court game. Um, or, you know, the transition gets away from them or and, and the half-court stuff doesn't work. I mean, it all fell apart in the second half. Denver kicked their ass in the half-court. I, uh, I'm, you know, they scored... I'm on cleaning the glass right now. In the half court, they scored 109.8 points per play uh, per, per 100 half court plays. So it's how many points did the team score per 100 half court plays? Denver had 109.8. The Mavericks had 87.8. And usually that number is Mavericks positive in a big way, even against better teams. And then the transition was, you know, Denver had 32 fast break points. They scored uh 16 points per 100 possession transition possessions so mm-hmm. i mean what happened was the the half court got worse and the transition defense didn't get any better in the second nope. half so i mean it, they just really ran away with it and yeah you know just i mean and the offense wasn't really that good in the first half it was luca make was batshit luca. crazy luca. shot yeah i mean derrick jones jr came i mean non luca mavs only made seven uh, only made seven three pointers combined luca had six um, Jones Jr., uh, Grant Williams, and Tim Hardaway Jr., who are basically the three main spot-up guys, combined to go three of, uh, I think, 16 from three, which is not good, <laughs> obviously. Um, Hardaway was pretty bad tonight. Um, they only had one other guy in double figures, which was Dante Exum. Everyone else was in single digits. Um, yeah, it was just... You know, Without Lively, yeah, it's an offensive game, and even with Lively, he gives you some he gives you some added offense too. So, I mean, they had to. This had to be a game where they made like 18, 19, 23s, and Denver makes like twelve. That was you know that was the only way. And I think what is discouraging, you know, there's a couple of things that I want to say. Like it's the losing to the Nuggets on the road with this shorthanded roster is not a big deal in the grand scheme of things. If I had to say there are like two things that concern me, it's that one, we're going to talk about like guys that got more opportunities to step up and that kind of stinks. And two, the Nuggets, I feel like the Nuggets didn't even, the Mavericks didn't force the Nuggets to to give them their best shot. I mean, Jokic had eight, nine, and seven. Um, he was so bored. He, <laughs> he was so bored. He was playing this like a preseason game. Um and then, like the and what really won this game for the Nuggets and made it such a blowout was how good the bench was. Like the, yeah. I mean, the Nuggets starters are really good. I don't don't make no bones about it. Defensively, they were great. Uh, I thought Gordon Porter and Caldwell Pope, their size made a big big difference. 
in closeouts to those shooters because you close out on Jones, you close out on Grant Williams. It kind of murks up the possession when you're forcing them to do things other than spot up and shoot. I felt like the Nuggets were really good at that. But, man, I mean, like Najee had 14, Watson 10, Reggie Jackson 20, Strother 12. Like you, to get beat by their bench when you're shorthanded just kind of stings a little bit more because it's like, well, if Jokic had like 35 and, and 10 or something, like he had a crazy night, then you're like, okay, whatever. But you know, it felt like the Nuggets were playing this like a preseason game at times yeah. and they were still able to dominate the game and that's a little discouraging all right so we're going to take a second here and i'm going to ask for you guys to consider going down and hitting like on the stream uh that would be great while you're here if you could also consider subscribing to the show um it seems my lofty expectations for hoping to get to five thousand subs by the end of the year is not actually going to happen damn you apple podcasts well, not just apple i mean youtube's <laughs> completely youtube's completely different bear and you know if the mavericks you know maybe after football, we'll see a little bit of spike, but you know, the sometimes growth comes in fits and starts. Uh, but if you could subscribe to the show, I'd really appreciate it. Also, if you could leave a comment on the video after this, so not like in the live chat when you're in it, but you go back and like there's an actual like the video that's posted. If you leave comments like that, it, it, it's it's very helpful to Josh and I. Um, we're getting closer to figuring out the Apple issue. I saw a guy on the show today leave a comment. He's like, I'm really sad that you've stopped posting your podcast. And I'm like, this is what's so frustrating about this. I cannot get the message out that Apple is not working. Um, that is, that is what it is. Uh, but we'll, we'll make progress eventually. Uh, and, and I hope to have it, it figured out soon. Cause it's crushing Josh and I like the, like we make a little bit of money off this, but Apple is 70% of our downloads. So it's like, what are you going to do? Um, all right. That's our problem. Not yours. Um, we're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging. So you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Okay, so back to sort of the the conversation at hand. Um, I would like to talk about the players, and then I would like to talk a little bit about the coaching strategy with this. And then I would like to sort of finish off with where the fan base on the internet, which is a different element than the fan base in general is with wanting to build stuff with this team so who do we want to talk about first um do you, do you want to go to the guy that, that's gotten us most fired up uh, or at least you most fired up no we'll save him for a little bit because it's not his fault i i'm gonna simmer on him a little bit but let, like grant, you, you I think we need grant to, then? i think we need to have the grant williams talk because grant is um th- the nice part about dorian finney smith is that he was a lunch pail guy. Grant Williams talks entirely too much shit to be this mediocre. Just, I, I don't know. You know, I, I, I don't know what he brings on a night to night basis. That is that, that we should be fired up about like when he's hitting shots. Sure. But he's not been particularly good on defense. Like he is not, he can't guard a guy who's able to move. He's pretty good in the post, I think. And sometimes paint stuff, but at the end of the day, he's six, five. He, he missed a right-handed layup today. I just – I get kind of sick of watching him, and it's too soon for that. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, it is too soon for that. So, for me, 
I know we talked about this a lot in our Slack um, because we definitely have some hot takes about Grant Williams that float around our Slack. Um, For me, it's like, I don't know, because this is kind of what I expected. Um, Not to discourage, like to disparage Grant, but like. He's not super expensive. It's no, not, he's not an arm and a leg for him. I mean, that, that 2030 draft pick is going to terrify me until the day of tra- until we flip picks, you know, when you and I yeah. are in our 50s but, or whenever the fuck that is. Yeah, but he's he's averaging a shade under 10 per game. So 9.7, about three. The rebounds are a little low, 3.7, considering he's, his increased role. You know, he's not an assist guy. He's not a big steals or blocks guy. But, you know, about 10 points per game on, you know, close to 40% shooting. He's at 39.8. It's kind of what I thought was going to happen going in. Like maybe top side, he would, it would be a little bit better in terms of maybe a little bit more scoring, a little bit more rebounding. But when I wrote about this acquisition, you know, there was a lot of people that kind of thought he was someone like in a different mold. Uh, like more of a three or Reggie. Yeah, or just just more different stylistically type of player in terms of like getting unassisted buckets and being like able to drive with the ball and, and just being a little bit more well-rounded than kind of what Dorian and Reggie had turned into, which were they were literally just standstill spot-up shooters for the most mm-hmm. part. Mm-hmm. Dorian would crash the offensive glass and, and occasionally get some good drives. But, you know, those guys were both under three drives per game during the Luka, during their tenure here. Yeah. And Grant, you were thinking, okay, maybe Grant's not a huge driver per game, but maybe he gets in like the three range, which, is, which makes a difference. You get one or two more drives per game from a role player uh, that can be productive. So I, I think fans, I thought, I think the expectations were just a little out of whack. I, I think people just thought he was going to be this completely different type of player when really it's just, he's just, you know, solid, solid starter. And, and the reason why you get him and, you know, he's there to kind of replace some of the Dorian Reggie minutes, but he's also younger. He's 24, cost controlled. Um, you know, Reggie was, or I think both Reggie and Dorian were nearing 30. I think Reggie was already over 30. Like, it wasn't more like, hey, we have made this spot better than before. It's more, we've reinforced it now uh, to kind of get back to where we were after the Kyrie trade, which left them totally depleted at, at three and day wings. Uh, and he's young, so we'll see, you know, what happens. So, I understand that there's some disappointment, but I think a lot if there is a lot of it, it's got to stem from some out of whack expectations because he was never that player in Boston. Like he over 70 percent of his buckets in Boston were assisted. Almost all of his shots were spot up threes. Um, And that's so I just kind of expected that to happen in Dallas. I mean, he's streaky for sure. Uh, I think after the first seven games, he's been like near 30 percent from three. So that's not great. And I guess the one thing that is a little disappointing, his two-point percentage has kind of fallen off a cliff. He was he was 57% two years ago, 54, 55% on twos last season. Now he's at 48. And you think playing with, like, usually guys play with Luka, their two-point, all their percentages rise. You get easier buckets. He's been a little iffy inside the arc, which, you know, that's not ideal. Um, you know, you want him being able to capitalize on those easy baskets. Like we've seen him miss some bunnies uh, in the paint. We've seen him miss some easy mid-range jumpers when he gets a closeout or in a four-on-three where he catches the ball right. at the elbow off a double. So that needs to be better for sure. But I don't know. Call me. I don't know if I'm if I'm not being hard enough or not being critical enough. But it just does. His performance just doesn't phase me because I was just kind of expecting what he's doing right now. That's interesting. Hmm. You feel differently, though, right? I or, feel differently or, because I. You probably have a point on the defense. I probably we probably should talk more about him. Not though the. I mean, the fact that he just can't yeah. stay in front of anybody. Like he yeah, really can't stay in deal. front of anybody, and he looks nonchalant about it. That pisses me off. <laughs> I, what I'm going to talk about in relation to him, I can't back up with numbers, but back up in vibes. You know, the the posting of Batman photos after the Laker win, you know, the being a big shit talker, he talks nearly as much as Luca at the refs. He really, like, he really, really does. And you're not good enough to do that. Like, if I don't like Luca doing it, I really don't like Grant Williams doing it. And there's just an element of him where I, I had mentioned prior to the season that I, and I'm nearly 100,000% positive on this, I'm sure the all these guys get along. That's not, this is not what I'm about to say, but Grant Williams' style is grading. His personality, probably on the court, can be grading. 
that doesn't mean these guys don't like each other, but it's like, if you're going to be putting up ho-hum bullshit games, you really can't run your mouth and call yourself a leader. You can't, that's not the, that's not a thing. You know, the, the Brian Cardinal was there on the Mavericks bench in the 2011 season and doing certain things, but he wasn't, it, it was, it, you don't want to call him like a mascot. That's disrespectful, but he had a role within the team to be kind of the raw, raw guy. And people didn't expect a lot from him. I think that the team needs more from Grant Williams. And when he doesn't, yeah, he's perform, a starter. <laughs> he's when a he starter. doesn't perform, it's just annoying. It's yeah. annoying. And so I, I, you know, he'll, he'll improve. He'll play better. The tonight's, you know, it's not necessarily fair to dump on him, but he's been kind of bleh for a while. He had a great Lakers game. That was it. His, his game log is a mess. And, and I just, the, the, they need more from him. Um, the next guy that I think we need to just sort of have a, just like a sobering discussion on is Grant Williams is four of his last 26 from three, if I can do math correctly. And that was going to happen. Are you talking about Grant or Derek I'm Jones sorry. Jr.? Derek Jones Jr. was four of 26 from three over those last five games. Uh-huh. And to yeah. me, this this was going to happen. And so I'm less frustrated by him and I, understanding that it's just like these wild swings when you're kind of a, a ho-hum to bad shooter, which is what Derek Williams is for his career. Um, that That's – it's just – it's part of it. And yeah, I, and, and also Jones was around. like literally the last – off-season move they made right. minimum signing minimum for signing when, like it's different level of expectation compared yep. to a trade multi-year deal starter yep. um the one thing with jones like I, I, the thing that was crazy was his three-point shooting he was making a ton of above the breakthroughs early mm. on and so that i knew was going to cool off because he is not you know he's not that guy um, right but i thought maybe his corner three would help stabilize it so he didn't fall off a cliff He's missing a lot of corner threes. Uh, he was 0 for 4 tonight uh, from the corners. So it's understandable that his three-point percentage is cooling off because he was not going to be a 30. He was like 38 or 40 after the first two, like first week of the season from above the break threes. Like that was obviously going to go down. But the fact that he hasn't really stabilized it with his corner threes as much as he probably should, like I would need to look it up. But I feel like, you know, just watching – Watching it, you know, without looking it up, just eye test. I feel like his corner three is at a lower percentage than what he's normally made for his career, and that's yeah. the part that's like that needs to turn. That needs to change for sure because he's not going to be a dynamite above the break shooter all season. No. Uh, then I think there's really just one. I mean, I want to talk about Tim Hardaway Jr. in the context of something different a little bit later. So the last yeah. guy that we really have to meaning like that that saw meaningful meaningful that saw minutes tonight that really drove me crazy <laughs> is Jaden Hardy. Um, the Jaden Hardy experiment for me, when everyone is healthy is over uh, for this season. I am no longer interested in seeing him play basketball. Um, 18 minutes and almost 19 minutes, three of nine from the floor, four assists, negative 13. You're probably looking, you're probably saying Kirk, like what, why are you kicking this guy? He has zero situational awareness, zero. And in this, like, I was just thinking about this. I've seen him try to take off the dribble just this season alone. Um, Contavious Caldwell Pope, uh, Reeves from the Lakers, Austin Reeves, and Alex Caruso. That's three guys off the top of my head. Those are three of the best perimeter defenders in the league. And he has the loosest, laziest handle paired with no first step. And it always results in a bullshit 15-footer in the middle of the lane that he either luckily hits or is just so horrible that it's almost a turnover. He has – he doesn't have – I hate this phrase. But he doesn't have a bag. He doesn't have the handles to do the stuff that he wants to do. If the Mavericks are finding him on the move where he's already moving, I love watching him play. If he catches the ball and fires away a shot, I'm happy with it. I cannot see him in a dribbling position anymore. He can't. He's also really bad at defense, but so is the rest of the team. So I'm trying not to be too hard on him in that respect. But I just this re, this experiment with Hardy is is done so for me. Him and Josh Green have shown nothing to me at this point, and I think they need to shorten the rotation. They, I, that, that's where I'm at. Yeah, I can. If when everything's full strength, I can. You know, I don't. You know, Hardy hasn't done anything to prove himself to be getting to be getting a shot. The thing with Hardy is, 
I didn't want to be an asshole about it, but I mean, he went two consecutive summer leagues where he looked terrible. Um, and that's not to say if you look bad in summer league, you are destined to be a bad player. Right. But the things that he was bad at uh, are not going to get better when you're playing against non-summer league players. Like when you were watching him in summer league, he couldn't, I mean, he couldn't get by anyone. He couldn't create separation. He got to the free throw line a lot, but he didn't get a lot of clean looks to the to the basket. He couldn't shake his defender a lot. Um, he he was able to kind of herk and jerk his way to get some fouls drawn, but that's yep. different than like being able to create separation, and get a clean look for yourself at the basket. So, you know, the counter to that has been well, he's not going to need to do that in Dallas because there's Luke and Kyrie. He just needs to be a good spot up shooter and, and all that stuff. And which they just haven't put him. They haven't right. put him in that position. Because of the Kyrie, because of the Kyrie injuries, okay. and when everyone's healthy, it's like, okay, well, why do you need to play him? You know, they had to last season because they just didn't have anyone. But now you've got Exum, and you've got Tim healthy, and you've got uh, Seth Curry getting some minutes as well. That you know, there's a lot of guards on the team. There's it's just the minute rotation is just way different than what it was last season, where sometimes he was the third right. third guard on the team, depending on injury. You know how injuries shook out. Yep. So, you know, I don't think he's been able to be in that that off-ball position as much. And, yeah, like, he's going to have to play when Kyrie's hurt, when Josh Green's hurt, because those are the only your only other two kind of, like, offensive kind of creators, maybe besides Exum. And he can't get by anyone. He couldn't get by anyone in Summer League. So why is he going to get by Contavious Caldwell-Pope and, and Michael Porter and Aaron Gordon and and these Nuggets players? Like, it's just, it's just not going to happen. So... You know, I feel like the only way to salvage his season is if he's playing more of that off-ball role, but then that's the catch-22 of the only way you can really get him to play off-ball is if, like, Luke and Kyrie are healthy. And if Luke and Kyrie are healthy, they're playing so much. And so is Exum. Um, Like, where, you know, the minutes just aren't there. So, you know, it's a little disappointing, but I'm just – it's another one of – it's another one of those, like, Grant Williams things where it's like I'm not shocked because, like, I was really stunned at – his lack of growth in summer league. Like he really, he looked I mean, a bit he like harkened he, back. He, he physically harked. looked better. Like his body looked better, oh, yeah, yeah. but his game did not look that different. And, you know, again, he struggled in two summer leagues. That doesn't mean he's, he's a bust or he's going to be bad, yeah. but it's just, that's not a good omen. <laughs> I'll just say that. Well, and we went into the season kind of saying, Hey, the Mavericks have a potential at interesting depth because you knew, that there were going to be injuries and you knew guys were going to get opportunities. And what I'm trying, the point I'm trying to make is that in these opportunities, Hardy has done nothing. And that's really frustrating. And you you want to see something like, okay, what did you take from rookie to sophomore year that like, like where did your game get better? And I'm not, not really seeing it besides the fact that he's worked on his body, maybe, you know, and and he looks physically better, but. In terms of his game and, and production, I'm just not seeing you know where the offseason work went, which is a little disappointing. That's right. It's not like he's not working on stuff. Like these guys are all professionals, so it's so, you know oh, that part's just frustrating. I want to make sort of two more points. One one thing relating to like coaching decisions tonight because Holmes was available to play Rashawn Holmes, and I don't think he played. Did he? He played play? seven minutes, mostly garbage. Time. Seven minutes, yeah, mostly garbage time minutes. And so I'm not here to defend Jason Kidd. But you were not going to beat the Nuggets. Rashawn Holmes wasn't going to be like a key difference maker. You were going mm-hmm. to beat the Nuggets by scoring a lot of points. That's That was how you were going to beat the Nuggets. It wasn't going to be like Holmes doesn't really add a lot defensively, though I like watching him try because he battles hard. I think he could have helped with the def- like with the defensive rebounding a little bit, but not enough to swing the game by 20-something points. So Kid went with like a pure five-out offense. And there's some folks earlier in the chat noting how frustrated they were seeing Markeith Morris play. Markeith Morris was the 14th man signed. Like he, you know, he has a partially guaranteed contract for like 200,000. He was never meant to play any minutes on this, on this, in this, uh, in this roster. But you have so many guys, big guys hurt. He's basically playing emergency five, even though he is at best a standstill power forward shooter. And, you know. And he played well against Portland. So (laughs) I think kid just wanted to, you know. He right. rewarded him for for playing well in that Portland win. So, you know. so I understand if you're frustrated why Holmes didn't play, but I think if Holmes was sick, then they were he was questionable right up until game time. 
there was probably just a decision to make. We're not going to do this, right? That that's yeah. just sort of where I where I think. Yeah, and I mean, he also, I mean, they gave him. You know, there were everyone yelled and screamed like, "Why is Dwight Powell playing? Why is Dwight Powell playing?" And kid put Holmes in. Like he benched. There were uh, yep. like late November, he benched Powell for the most part, and Holmes was the backup, first big off the bench. After you know, when Lively would hit the, would take his first break, and he. Yep didn't really do much with it. Like, so, uh, like he played 23 minutes in a win against the Lakers. He had 10 rebounds. That was right. cool. Um, he, he, um, he had a block shot and then he played 21 minutes in a, in a blowout loss to the Clippers and, and did basically nothing. Um, and you know, he played 13 minutes against the, the Rockets after that had four fouls in 13 minutes, three rebounds, like, again, not really productive, mm-hmm. um, played 18 minutes then in a, in a, blowout loss to bad Memphis team. He had five and seven and it's like, all right. So like, I mean, he tried, he gave him, you know, like a four game audition to be the first big off the bench. And it just, you know, the minutes didn't look that great. So I, mean, you're just I, swapping, I just don't like, yeah, I don't really. You're, um, I try, I, I explained this to someone today where I said, when, when it comes to these kind of players, you're essentially swapping out bad traits for different bad traits you're not finding a solution. You're finding maybe a, a less bad problem. That's, that's sort of in, you know, that's just how roster construction is. Unless you care about the draft, unless you do what Denver has done. And that's why we're one of the best teams in the league. Like Mavericks have had roster building problems going back nearly 10 years. They, they look to solve all their solutions and a quick, you know, what, what, what's the, the, the flex tape on the, the gallon of water. It's like, Free agency has never been a salve for them, but they they did pretty well this offseason, but they weren't going to fix all this in, in a day. And like that, that kind of brings me to to the last point. It's something I wanted to talk about. Can um, I bring up a uh, Holmes number just before? Yeah, yeah, yeah please do. Uh, he's played 199 possessions with the Mavericks, according to Cleaning the Glass, and the Mavericks are a minus 9.7 uh, points per 100 possessions with Holmes. That seems bad. So, <laughs> so can bad. we please, you know, don't, you know, let's, we can move on. So, I woke up woke up. I, I some days on Mondays in particular, I don't check social media till like 11 o'clock in the morning. And I got online today to, to see a ongoing discussion because a Pistons <laughs> podcaster for the athletic said the Mavericks have shown some interest in the Pistons current starting center, Isaiah Stewart. Isaiah Stewart is 6'8, 250 pounds. You may recall him from such instances as 19 people having to hold him back as he went ballistic at LeBron James, I think two seasons ago. Um, Truly hilarious video. If you want to watch it, he looks like a deranged lunatic and I can see the appeal for why you would like him on the Mavericks just for that alone. I'm not super interested in talking about Stewart in so much as I am the concept of where I am with this team. So you're, you're probably listening to this show. And if you're a hardcore listener, you, you know that I tend to be pretty bitchy about just about everything. But I've been in a delightful place with this team overall because 16 and 9, now 16 and 10, is better than just about any start I could have possibly imagined. And I look ahead at the the upcoming schedule, and I don't see patches where I think the Mavericks are going to get destroyed. I really don't. And the injuries are going to – like, guys need to get healthy. That's kind of a given for me. But you match these guys up. You know, they play Portland two more times in the next month. They play Memphis again, which is still ravaged by injuries. They play Golden State a couple of times, who is obviously taking a little bit of a hit. You know, yes, there are some very good teams, but that's the the nature of this. And I my position has been for a couple of weeks now that I think the Mavericks are better than about 20 teams. That, you know, I think they're in the top 10, top 11. That's pretty awesome. And I'm enjoying them being pretty dang good. And what I am noticing, and I just sort of want to get your take on this, is that I'm sensing that a lot of fans, for some reason, expected or hoped for a championship-level leap from these Mavericks after missing the play-in last year. Granted, they tanked, but... I'm just sort of baffled by all of this where it's like, oh, well, if if we're not competing for a championship, it's a waste of a season. In a big picture sense, I get that because you're talking about Luka Doncic, but you weren't going to fix this in a, in a, in a season. So, so am I nuts? Like I feel so weird being the quasi positive one. No, I, I, I feel the same way as you. I think we've, we've repeated that line a lot. You weren't going to fix it in one summer. We weren't going to fix it in one off season. 
I wonder if some of it is coming from not like championship or bust, but the fan base just being excited about the hot start and wanting to capitalize on it. Um, you know, they're third in the West, and now yep. maybe people are thinking, wait, are we a contender? Well, maybe we only need this one or two more pieces and, and we're a championship team. So I'm assuming that's where some of it's coming from. Um, as opposed to if they started bad, people would just be like, I oh, just get rid of these crappy players. But now it's like, you know, I think people are just excited about the hot start and they want to see uh, the team make a deep run of the playoffs because now they think that they have a chance. Uh, whereas before, if they were like in sixth or seventh right now, maybe people would want to maybe hold a little steady at the trade in line. But yeah, I don't know. I, for me, it's like with their limited, sh- they just have such limited trade ammo right now. I don't see the point in doing a move like they did in 2020 for JJ Redick, where you're trading like a rotation ish guy and like draft picks, a, a draft pick to get like some, some added like depth. Um, like I don't see the point in them trading any draft capital right now, unless that is going towards a bigger deal that gets them a bona fide starter. Like the idea of them like trading some seconds and Jaden Hardy to get. Oh, no, and Isaiah Stewart or someone of his ilk who would be like a fringe starter or sixth or seventh man um, when you're fully healthy like sure they could use that like it wouldn't it wouldn't be that it would be like he wouldn't be useful or that type of player wouldn't be useful mm-hmm. but they're already scraping the barrel a little bit with trade ammo since they still owe the pick to the next that they're thankfully you know knock on wood that they're going to convey they've trade they do not have a lot of seconds left. I think they got some back this summer and some yep. of the moves they made. Um, you know, they don't have a lot of wiggle room with cap space. Like, I don't know. I just, I feel like if they're going to trade for a future first or a future second or someone like Timmy or Josh Green or Hardy, they need to be getting back something more substantial than uh, this could be like a fifth or sixth or seventh man. Like, which is kind of where I see Isaiah Stewart like talent range plugging in. So yeah, I just don't, I think they need to hold their cards to the chest a little bit more and maybe hold their chips and then they can push in for more of like a, a bigger all in move, somewhat similar to what the nuggets did with Aaron Gordon. Like where that, like they kind of felt like they needed that one more starter next to Jokic um, and, and Murray. Like, I feel like they just need one more, dynamite starter next to Luca and Kyrie. And I don't know if I'd want to like do smaller moves that could pull from that potential, you know, pot that they could push in, uh, maybe get a better player down the road. If and that's, that's so, so you hit on a lot of things that I want to yeah, respond sorry. to. So, so no, this is great. This is why I wanted to have this conversation because it's, it's important for expectation setting. I think expectations right now are wildly, wildly out of whack. Um, let's go over the trade assets. The trade assets, they have one first rounder. It's the 2027. That's the only one they can send away until they get out from underneath this Knicks pick because they sent one away to get Kyrie Irving. I don't think we're, we're talking about one first rounder in a draft four years from now, which is probably interesting to a lot of people, but it's not the, the end all be all. Then you have Tim Hardaway Jr., who think the Mavericks will probably move at some point. I really do think they will attempt to sell high on him. And they've been tr- trying to trade him for like four years, it feels like. So well, I really want that. I do think that's what yeah. they do. But Tim Hardaway in a first rounder, I don't think is enough for what other teams have on the market. Look at what is being discussed for Lori Markinen. Good God, Kevin O'Connor said that he thought as many as five first round picks could change hands for Lori Markinen, who is a borderline all-star and the kind of like the caliber of player that we're talking about that will make, and this is important because there's a guy in the chat here said this earlier, his name's Adrian. He talked about players that can make a meaningful difference. I don't want to be a prick, but I'm going to be for a second. Isaiah Stewart, if Isaiah Stewart is on the Mavericks tonight, does he make a meaningful difference in the game? I'm asking. That's not rhetorical. No. (laughs) He is a bench player. So you're telling me, guys, that you want to use ammunition to trade for a bench player. Now, there's a lot of great comments in the chat. Friend of the show, 
Uh, Coops says, how can you not want to go all in with Luca playing like this and Lively being this good? You cannot waste years. Let me be clear. I 1000% agree with that notion. The problem is the Mavericks have already wasted years. One of the things that drives me crazy about team building is there is no appreciation for what has gone on prior. No, it's it's you can't just start over. If we're being really candid, the Mavericks all in move was Kyrie Irving. That was the all in move. Now they have to figure it out with the pieces and see how far they can get. I I, I don't I mean listen, listen, if they can I mean if they could go to Toronto right now and convince them that you know with whatever they have that they can trade and get Pascal Siakam yes, like do it. Yeah, dude, go get do it. You go do, do it. it now. But what we're trying to say is they do not have a competitive offer for any of those types of players. It's not that we wouldn't love for them to trade for a third starter, borderline all-star guy. Like they should totally do that if that presents itself to them. I and just, if it's available, I will yeah. sit there and go, I am so sorry that I was dead <laughs> wrong. I'm really, lo- I'm really, really excited that Tim Hardaway in a first round pick got us Pascal Siakam. <laughs> yeah. You know, so that's, love that. I would yeah. love to eat crow over this shit. It's just, there's this discussion that comes around and it, it, it's, Largely social media. We watched the Celtics do this forever, guys. We watched the Celtics go nuts about every player that they thought was good. And the reality is when you have two guys like Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum, you're able, like, that's your that's your core starting point. That's, it's, you know, like, the, the you know, I, don't, I feel very frustrated by this because I don't want to be, I, I just talked about how important it is, I think, that the Mavericks are doing well and being positive. But now I just sort of want to temper expectations because, I came into the season of let's make the play in. Now my expectations have moved to let's avoid the play in and be in the top six. Whereas I think everyone else that I'm chatting with regularly, at least on social media has the let's be a top four team in the West and go make the finals. And this team is not a finals built team. I'm just that that's just the facts. There's no, maybe they could get hot. You know, the, the they could, they could go on a special run but they don't have the build of a Western conference or finals team and nothing they could do this year that I see makes that possible. Yeah. Like I said, I just, if they can make a big trade for what they think would be a bona fide third best player, uh, third, you know, a third starter next to Luca and Kyrie, you know, do it. If they can pull it off, they could pull it off. But to me, just like the smaller moves, like a Stewart or, would be else something that's comparable to to Stewart. Um, even something like you know, I mean, this is your boy, but like an Alex Caruso, who I really like, but feels like those feel like final piece moves. Like you're trying to fill out the rest of your the roster. Aaron Gordon for the Nuggets, and I love the friend of the program is Talk Franco used to used to work with us at Mavs Moneyball. He wrote a piece last year about how the Mavericks need to find that. The Mavericks aren't in a position for that. And it's crazy to even put that out into the universe in hindsight, because I understand what he's going for, but the Mavericks didn't have good enough players to do that. Kuzma's an interesting one. Shout out to Kay in the chat. I would like Kuzma to me is kind of a needle mover. That would be very, very interesting. But um, again, do they have enough to, I don't I mean, think if, they have enough he, to get him. If it's no. an open bidding, I just, I'm just like, cause again, it's one pick, one first rounder, one first rounder until they can get rid of the New York pick. Um, I think what's really hurting this season is you were hoping for leaps from green and Hardy because then that's yeah. your, then blue they become chip. trade fodder. Yeah. Then those are your blue chip young guys to trade. And those, I mean, if anything, their value has, has gone down from last season. So, you know, you could talk yourself into, okay, maybe you, you give them a first, Green, Hardy, Tim Hardaway, you know, some combination of those three, maybe all three. And it's like, here's two really good young blue chip prospects. Here's a uh, future first that could be really good. Then you might be moving the needle a little bit more with some of these, these better trade targets. But I mean, now that Green and Hardy are basically, I mean, I don't know what you're going to get for them right now. Um, you kind of have to wait for Green to come back and rebuild his value, hopefully. Mm-hmm. That makes. I just think that makes things a little tougher until they can convey that New York pick, which will allow them to to open up the chest a little bit and trade multiple firsts, which will be very – I mean, teams are going to – I think when they can trade multiple firsts, they're going to be very valuable because teams are going to bet on Luka not being in Dallas long term. That's, gonna, that's it for me because you open up 
What yeah. is it? So they they owe the 2029 to the Nets. They owe the 2030 in a swap to Spurs. So if you get through this year, you send away the 2024. That opens up the 2025. I'm pretty sure. I don't know if you can trade it immediately. Scott, well, somebody will tell me I'm wrong on this. It the point is that it 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 changes things. And you make it to this summer, and I hear you guys. I hear you. You're saying Luca wants to win right now. Luca's also under contract. He's not like I'm sorry. The, the, the players that have multiple years under contract do not have the leverage that they once had. We, we've just all but seen that. I also don't think Luca wants out. He said on Rachel Nichols' show this week that he's very pleased with the direction this thing is going. Yeah, you know? I mean, Lively is such a huge win. Huge. Like, like that, uh, he's honestly changing the trajectory of the franchise because him hitting is exactly what we were talking about where we were like, hey, they have to nail this pick and it has to be a good player. But this is also why we're like, this is why you get you know, top 10 picks. This is why this draft is great because you can hit on a potential talent that's 19 years old, that's cost controlled that you can, you know, grow with Luca and, and potentially he can be potentially, maybe he's your third best player. And Mm -hmm. then you go into the summer and you don't need to spend as much to get your fourth best, if that makes sense. So, you know, I mean, I think Lively's growth, I understand that it wants people to hit the fast forward button because it looks so great. But I think he gives them a little bit more latitude in, in trying to make sure they build this thing the right way. Yes. Josh, this has been way too long of a podcast for a loss against the Denver Nuggets. <laughs> but I think it was actually a pretty good discussion. Do you? Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, I, and I understand, like, you know, they're third in the West. People just, they want this to be the year. Luca looks like an MVP. Like, I really don't blame it. I just, no. you know, just, I just don't see the point in, in trading, you know, trading legitimate ammo for a sixth man or fifth man or seventh mm-hmm. man, you know, just rather save that for a more all in move. And Hey, you know, stranger things happen. We didn't think that they could trade for Kristaps when they made the Kristaps trade. I thought they didn't have the ammo for that. And then they did. So, right. I, I think the knows? distinction, I think the distinction between both trading for a starter and then trading for finishing pieces is really, really important. Mm-hmm. And we're not talking near enough about how, you know, well, no, that's not true. We've talked so much over the years about how the Mavericks have screwed this pooch. And the fact of the matter was, <laughs> you know, getting to the, the draft lottery was so like, and then getting like, this was their last ditch effort. If they fucked up this lottery, then maybe the the, the calls for Luca to leave <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> would be going like bright and bold right now. So they're in a positive spot. Are you serious <laughs> with this? <laughs> this dog always thinks it's playtime. Always. Whatever. Good boy. Yeah, um, he, know, he knows we're wrapping up. He does. Well, so, all right. That, that Speaking of that. So, yeah. you're going to probably go edit some posts and see what's yep. going on with, uh, we got another, um, we got a post that was turned in about Luca that we're going to run tomorrow um, from Gracie. Really looking forward to that piece. Uh, we have our regular stuff up on MavsMoneyBall.com. I'm going to go live with our fan show here in just a second. So for those of you who are hanging out, I'm going to throw up a quick break, a video break, and then we're going to come back in here. I'm going to post a link, and then you guys are going to be able to come join the show and tell me why you think I'm an idiot or why you liked this game or didn't like this game. Let's just talk for a little bit. I'm a little bit, uh, you know, um, what's what's the old Kevin O'Connor line? Pumped and jacked. Uh, <laughs> just unnecessarily excited for, for whatever. Um because beef stew is 22 and getting better at what he's six foot eight he's i'm sorry i mean let's uh, go let's argue about beef stew yeah yeah yeah. i'm really excited i love it um okay so just uh wait for me for a second guys and for those of you listening on the audio show please uh leave me a review uh shoot me an email over at what is our email here pod maverick podcast at gmail.com we can talk a little hoops uh, i will be missing the wednesday show but josh will be back thanks for hanging on here for a few minutes and we will be right back <laughs> 